Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right. Well, good morning, Community of Hope. How are we doing? Awesome. Hey, before we jump into the rest of the message, can we just honor the band for leading us in worship? That was great. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, uh, welcome again to everybody here in the room. Welcome to everybody who's streaming with us online. If you're new with us, either here today in the room or with the vast majority of our church who is still online, my name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors here at Community of Hope, and we are delighted they've joined us here today. We're going to have a great day in church. We're off to a great start already. The first service was great. The second service is going to be even better because you guys have more caffeine in you. So go 1030, right? For sure. So uh, we're excited about that. So um, listen, the rest of us in here, uh, we're all going to be taking communion later today. So everybody online, uh, go ahead and be at the beginning of the message now, why don't you go get some juice, get some bread, and get whatever you can. It's okay if it's not perfect. Um, God doesn't require perfection. He just requires us to be authentically ourselves. Amen? Amen? So it doesn't have to be perfect. Grab some bread, grab some juice. We're all going to take communion together here in person and online later today at the end of our time, so make sure you do that. So we're excited about all that. Now, it's I'm super excited about today, because it's already been a great day in church, but I hope it's a super day later in the Johnston household, because it is Super Bowl Sunday, and I am super pumped, man. I am jacked up, ready for this. Just yesterday, if you don't know, I'm a diehard Tampa Bay fan, like through thick and through thin. I'm with the Yuccaneers as long as the day is. I mean, we're ready to go, and we're in the Super Bowl this year. Me and my kids got ready yesterday. I bought my kids their first jerseys ever last night. Check this out. Here's this picture. Look at that. Yeah. Rocking that buck swag. That's right. Now, Cade and Tessa, they're wearing Tom Brady because how can you not? Like, I never thought I would ever buy a Tom Brady jersey ever in my life, and I just bought two. But I'm rocking the swag for number 55 because it's Super Bowl 55 in Tampa Bay, a home game, wear 55 for the greatest Buccaneer ever. It's not Derek Brooks. It's Mr. Derek Brooks. Make sure you get it right. So we are really Really pumped. I'm really excited. I would have worn a jersey if Dale would have let me, but that's okay. <laughs> it was about Jesus first here. Jesus first. I promise. I really promise. Now, here's the thing. I almost went to the game. No, 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 no. I made the right decision. I would have ditched church, and you would have just had like, where's the preacher today? I almost went to the game, Okay. Uh, somebody reached out to me because they had some extra tickets. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I got a text about tickets. I just want to read it to you. So here's why I got my phone earlier this week. Say, hey, if anybody is interested, a friend of mine has two tickets to the 2021 Super Bowl in Tampa, both box seats. Woo! He paid $21,500 each, each, each. It comes with a ride 
to and from the airport, lunch, dinner, and a tab. Also, backstage pass to the winner's locker room. He didn't realize, though, that when he bought them, it was going to be on the same day as his wedding. Rut row. Rut row. And so, um, honest to goodness, I got this text. It said, so if you're interested, he's looking for someone to take his place. It's at St. Paul's Church in Orlando at 3 p.m., her name is Ashley. She's five foot four, about 115 pounds. She loves to fish and hunt. She'll be the one in the white dress, right? Yeah. Hey, so um, if you're my friend and if you love me and you're with online, say go Bucks in the chat or say go Bucks here in the room, right? That's right. I don't care. Don't boo. I don't care. It, Tom Brady, it's a Florida team. It's a Florida team. The room's split. Whatever. Half the room's my friends. I'm glad you're here. Go Bucks! Right. All right. Enough of that nonsense. Go ahead and grab your COH app and open up your sermon notes or your Bible app or however you follow along in service. I encourage you to do that. We are knee deep in a series we're calling Get Your Life Back. Everyone say that with me. Get Your Life Back. Anybody and everybody can get in on this series because who does not see a subject matter like that and say, that sounds good? Uh, This fits for people who are spiritual, but not religious. This fits for people who are Jesus followers for decades, or maybe this is your first time in church ever or first time in church in decades. Whatever it may be, everybody can get something out of this. And what we're trying to do is to help you really connect and find ways to grow your life on the inside of you. See, in 2020, 2021, excuse me, everybody talks about how to get thinner, how to read more books. I mean, all that stuff is all good. I care about all that stuff. I'm in all that too. But here, we're going to uniquely talk about your soul. Your soul is the benefit of what we're talking about today. Now, our theme verse comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. This is what Jesus had to say. You can read it out loud with me if you want. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And see, that's what we're talking about here, is that we're talking about what makes the human soul flourish, what makes the human soul sing, especially if you are tired, especially if you're hurting, especially if you're broken, especially if you're burnt out, and especially if you're burdened. That's what this series is for. If your soul needs to find rest, needs to find life, you are in the right place today. So what we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, we've talked about the benefit of learning to do what's starting with a one-minute pause where you just wait in God's presence and you start with, God, I give everyone and everything to you. And to just pause. Oh my goodness, it's been the best mental health thing and thing for myself spiritually since the pandemic started. Halfway through the pandemic, um, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be close to God. Halfway through the pandemic, it felt like God went on mute and I couldn't find him. Have you ever experienced something like that before? Like, where'd you go? I know you're here, but I can't feel you anymore. The thing that reconnected me to God's presence was learning to be still and silent and put a timer on my phone and just wait. And he would draw near. It saved my soul. It really did. 
That's what we talk about the pause here. We've talked about learning to slow down and to eliminate hurry from your life, just like Jesus, who never ran anywhere. We talked about the benefit of getting outside. And we told you when you left here to go home with your windows down and go outside and take a picture and send it to us and how the heavens declare the glory of God. There's something about getting outside that restores the human soul. We talked last week about the benefits of how to simply unplug and how to navigate the technological landscape in this time and space that we're in for how it can be uh, damaging to the human soul, what the scriptures might apply to our use of technology today. So here we are today. What we're going to be focusing on is the importance of learning to remember. Learning to remember is part of a practice to fill your soul with life. Remembering. Remembering. Now, what's really important about remembering is that many great um, spiritual writers and masters throughout the centuries have talked about the importance for your spiritual health for practicing remembering, and they've also conversely talked about how forgetfulness can actually be toxic to your soul. That's right, forgetfulness. Now, we're all forgetful from time to time. And uh, I am known for being just a smidge forgetful. I kid you not, at the 9 o'clock service, my wife said amen when I said that. (laughs) Um, Me being forgetful, it's my biggest productivity struggle. It's the biggest thing, the biggest challenge I have with my productivity is my forgetfulness. And it is the singular thing that irritates my wife the most that I do. She sent me to the grocery store last week to buy salsa. What did she send me to buy? And what did I come home with? M&M's, bread, and ice cream, no salsa. Okay? So I have, a little bit of, I have a little bit of struggle with this. Now, I know I'm not the only one who's forgetful here. Anybody else can empathize? But lots of us struggle with forgetfulness. I put on Facebook this week. Yeah, I put on Facebook this week of uh, all the ways that I asked, hey, what are some of the ways or what are some of the things that you guys forget the most? And here's what some of you said. Over like 90 of you had replied to this by the time I I was going through some of this. Uh, Some people said, pre-COVID, I was always forgetting my keys, but now I always forget my mask when I go somewhere, right? Yeah, it's weird. Um, A lot of people forget their passwords. A lot of people forget where they put their phone, daggummit. Um, I know a lot of people forget where they put their glasses, especially if you have a bunch of pairs of cheaters. My mother-in-law, hi, Celinda, if you're watching this, has about 20 pairs of them. Can't find where any of them are at any period of time. Um, any of you ever forget what you went into a room for? Oh, yes. Yeah, somebody, somebody put that. We're in good company here. Um, another person says, I forget to take things out of the freezer to defrost for dinner. Right? A lot of people are saying that. Yep. Uh, some people forget to put clothes in the dryer. Some people forget to take the right medication in the morning. My favorite one of all of them came from a mother of four. What are some of the things you forget the most? My kids' names. I did it to myself. I love that. All right, so here's why we're talking about all this. Because what we're going to be reading from today for our scripture to learn from uh, comes from the book of Psalms. And Psalms are just prayers. And this prayer that was written by King David uh, really focuses on uh, learning to combat our own forgetfulness and our own forgetfulness spiritually with your soul. See, it's not here to rage against the, the evils of forgetfulness, what it is going to do is say, hey, don't forget. And by the way, here's what happens when you remember. 
and remember specific things about God. So with that, we're going to look at Psalm 103. We're just going to read the whole thing. And it's a beautiful psalm, a beautiful prayer of King David. You can follow along on the screen or on your notes. It says this here. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You see it? Who forgives your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Amen. So the title of today's message we're calling, Remembering Who You Love. Remembering Who You Love. Let's pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here in Jesus' name. We sense you moving. And Lord, our greatest desire now is that we would hear from you. No one's here to hear a religious TED Talk. They're here to experience you. So, Holy Spirit, even though you're here, and we don't need to invite you here, you are here, we welcome you. We want to be hospitable to you, and we open ourselves up to your work in our midst. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Okay, so let's talk about what we just read for a moment. Um, Psalm 103 is written by King David. Not all of them are written by King David, but this one is in particular. Scholars say that this was written towards the end of King David's life because you could really hear nuancing in his language. He has a keen understanding about his own sinfulness. 
See, I, I, in my experience, the people I know who have been walking in relationship with God, like not just doing church, but like they're friends with God, the longer they do that and the older they get, the more aware they are of their own sin and how badly they need the grace of God, right? Right, and so David is doing that here. He understands his own brokenness, his own proclivity to sin, and he understands to the vastness of the love and grace of God. Now, notice here what we just read. Here's what's really fascinating about this, that there is not one line of this psalm that asks God for anything, for anything. Remember, psalms are prayers. Um, That's all they are. This was the prayer book of Jesus. This is Jesus learned how to pray. We believe he is fully God and fully human. The part of Jesus that was fully human had to learn how to pray too, and he learned by praying the Psalms. And we could see so clearly here that in this prayer that was written by David that Jesus surely prayed that informed his life, there's not one line of asking God for anything. There's no asking. It's all rejoicing. It's all uh, loving God for who he is and what he has done. It's all rejoicing. In fact, this psalm, David is entirely reminding himself of the reasons why he loves God. And the reasons why he adores God. See, it's one thing to just remind yourself about who God is and what he does. It's another thing for to let it stir up adoration inside of you and turn that remembering into thankfulness and love back toward God. And this is the benefit of this psalm where David teaches us that when we learn, just like getting outside, just like learning to pause, just like learning to slow down, just like learning to unplug, that when we learn to remember why we love God, and maybe you don't know if you love God or not, but maybe you can discover it today, of when you connect with the reasons why to adore God and to return love back to him, you know what happens to the human soul? It brings intimacy and closeness with God. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says that the eyes of God are looking throughout the whole earth, searching for somebody's heart who's totally his. He's searching throughout the earth to strengthen someone's heart that belongs to him. It's almost like God is just reaching out, looking for people who will, in love, return their hearts back to him and reach back to him. And when we reach back to God in love, he takes our hand. And he fills you with peace and with love and power and grace. This is why we need to learn how to remember who we love. Because it helps you get your life back. When we remember, when we adore God and turn it back to him, we can touch the hand of God. And his power flows into our Life. I need a little bit more of that, do you? Yeah, yeah. Now, David really gets human uh, humanity and the human condition here for the human soul. Look here in verse 2, Psalm 103, verse 2. He says, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, this is totally true. Like, we are forgetful people. It's like with the things of God, we are all like Dory from Finding Nemo or Finding Dory or whatever the sequels are. 
No long-term memory, only short-term memory. We forget anything and everything God has done in the past, and the only thing that matters is right now. And man, God will come through. Thank you, God. Three hours later, I'm nervous again, like God has never come through for me ever before in my entire life. Can anybody empathize? Now, what David is trying to do, he's trying to wake his soul up from that spiritual amnesia. He said, praise the Lord, my soul. You notice how he's talking to himself? Soul, wake up. Soul, don't forget what God has done. Soul, wake up. It's time to remember all the things that God has done. And in this psalm, what he's doing is he's giving to us a few things to remember about God that will lead to adoration and to remember who we love. Let's explore some of those today so we can learn how to do this too. Here's the first one. David, here's my own words. It's like David is saying, remember, God is the creator of everything you love. Remember, God is the creator of everything you love. Now, this is a powerful truth. Look with me. Verse 5, he says, So praise the Lord my soul, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. It sounds like our series again. So, and there's another verse in the Bible that echoes the same exact truth. In the New Testament, Jesus' little brother, James, wrote this in James 1, 16 and 17. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now, there's two amazing truths here in what we just read. The first is that everything good in your life comes from God. This is what the scriptures testify, that God is the maker of everything I love. Every good gift comes from above, from God. He satisfies our desires with good things, and not just the spiritual stuff. When I say God's the maker of everything I love, I just don't mean God made church and God made praise music and that's all pastors like. You know what else I like? I like pizza, okay? In fact, today's National Pizza Day and here's a picture of the best pizza I've ever had. I'm a, I, that's right, I take pictures of my food like my children, <laughs> Okay, this is from a place called Tucci's in Boca. Ooh, it's good. It's so good. Now, you might be thinking, Trevor, you idiot. God didn't make that pizza. Well, you don't know that. <laughs> no, but my, my whole point here is that like, when I'm eating like any type of really good food, like, oh, I love how this tastes. Do you think about this? Like, Why did God make humanity in such a way to where the sustenance that we would eat, God can have made us eat dirt for all of our nutrients, but instead he designed the human body and designed things on the earth to taste good when we eat them for survival. Isn't that cool? So my like, God is the creator of everything I love. Now, not just as shallow as, all right, Trevor loves pizza. Okay. Here's some other things I love. I love music. Why would God design the universe and sound waves and tones and notes to all work in beautiful harmony to make an incredible sound? God's the maker of music. He's, it's all his idea. I love music. I love water. I love being on the water. I love 
I, I love being around it. It's so peaceful. I love the beach. I love lakes. I love rivers. I love water. I even love water when you get in a shower with just really great water pressure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, I love water. God made that. It made it for us to enjoy. I love sunsets. I love sunsets and how the sky is so beautiful. Who made that? God made that. I love colors. I sound like I'm in preschool. (laughs) I love colors. I love, in particular, blue, and I love green, especially green in the spring when everything is new, fresh growth, and it's bright green. I love that God made green, and I love that he made blue. I love these frequencies that our eyes pick up. God made colors. Now, and of course, of all these things, God also made people and all the most favorite people in my life. God dreamed them into existence, every last one of them. Everything I love, God made. Everything of it, everything you love, God made. And so especially if you're like a spiritual seeker here today or maybe online, and and you're just not sure about this Jesus, that you could start here. That the Christian, uh, the Christian scriptures testify to the fact that everything you love, it claims that God made. That does something to the human heart. Now, what's amazing is what James said is like every good and perfect gift comes from above. And right before, did you notice he said, "Don't be deceived." What he's trying to say there is, we forget. And we mix those up. We think every bad thing was God's fault for not managing it right. Don't we? We all do this. I do that. And then every good thing we leave up to chance or just the universe pouring it out on us. We get it mixed. Now, I'm going to come back. I'm going to circle back to talk about suffering. And what do we do with that with remembering who we love? We're going to get to that later. But really, we forget and we get this deceived and get this mixed up. We think all the good stuff we take for granted, all the bad stuff we put at God's feet. And that's just not what Scripture is testified to do. Every good thing that you love comes from God. So you know how you remember who you love with that? Like for me, this is so, this is so silly. I'll take a bite of really good pizza. And I'll be like, God, this tastes good. Not like, God, it tastes good. Like, thank you, God. You are the maker of everything I love. I really will. And when I see green, I go, God, I love that you made green. You're the maker of everything I love. And I love you. See what I mean? So anytime you receive or experience something you enjoy, remind yourself God is the maker of it. And then return love back to him and remember who you love. And you know what happens? Oneness with God. He'll meet you there. What else does David remind us to do? Well, he also says later on that, hey, he's like, he's saying, remember, God is the God of grace. God is the God of grace. Verses seven through eight, these are some of my most favorite verses in all of Scripture. He made, his way, he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. So it's not just specifically what's going on in the beauty of creation in the world, but specifically who he is and what he does. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding 
in love. Oh my goodness, we forget this. We think God is quick to be angry. God is a quick temper and God is slow to love us. I don't believe it when people tell me the God of the Old Testament is full of wrath and anger because I'm looking here in the Old Testament and it says otherwise. It says otherwise. Slow to anger. Very slow. Very patient. Very kind. Overwhelming. Overflowing in love. He will not always accuse. He will not harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. As far as as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. My goodness, I wonder if David wrote this looking up at the night sky, looking up at the stars going, as far as it is from here to there. That's how great your love is for us, Lord. And he wrote, as far as the east is from the west. Like, how far is that? He said, that's how far you've removed my mistakes and my failures and my sin and everything I've ever done to damage my relationship with you and with others and with myself. You don't make me carry it around. You remove it from me as far as the east is from the west. It made me think about how far is that actually? So I went on the Google machine and um, I, just, I did a little bit of searching. And so not even like the surface of the earth to a star, because which one are you going to pick? So I just picked from the earth's surface to space, like the end of our atmosphere. Um, how far is that? How high is the love of God? That's 254 miles straight up. That's a lot of love. And then I decided, well, what's the circumference of the earth? If it's as far as the east is from the west? No, I'm not a flat earther, praise God. <laughs> uh, if you are, I'm sorry. I hope I didn't offend you. Okay. Um, and uh, they, the circumference of the earth, it's 24,901 miles of mercy. That's how far God wants to remove our junk from us. And then it really made me think about another verse of the Bible. This comes from 1 John three sixteen, and It says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So how, what, how, how wide is the love of God? How high is the love of God? What's the measurement of it? It's this. When Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross, and it's like he looked at you and he looked at me and he said, I love you this much or he died in our place and doesn't treat us as our sins deserve and doesn't repay us according to our iniquities because he paid it for us there's a great prayer from uh, a thing called the book of common prayer which says lord jesus you stretched out your arms on the hardwood of the cross so that the whole world could come within the reach of your saving embrace He stretched out his arms wide enough for the whole world to run to him and for him to embrace them and to embrace you and me. Remember who you love. God, I thank you. I will never have to pay for my sin in Christ. I will never have to face the punishment for my own evil because of you. I love you, God. Remember, he's the God of grace. And when you remember, return your love to him. Say, I love you, God. 
you experience union with him. Here's one more great thing David shows us. Look at this. David is saying to us, and remember lastly, God is compassionate. God is compassionate. Oh my goodness. Verses 13 through 18, as a father has compassion on his children. Maybe you didn't have a good dad. Maybe you didn't have a dad at all. Maybe you had a rotten dad. The father that's revealed in scripture as the father of Jesus, who is inviting you into his family, is the type of dad your dad should have been. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like glass. They flourish like grass, and they flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Man, if life hasn't taught us anything the past several months, it's taught us that life is fragile. Life is vulnerable. Things can change in a minute. And our way of life is fragile. It's like a flower of the field. It's here today, gone tomorrow. The wind blows over and it's gone. Life is fragile. And life has a way of breaking us because we're fragile. Life has a way of stomping out the beauty inside of each one of us with pain and suffering and abuse and hardships that so many of us, way too many of us go through. And in our pain and in all of our suffering, what David is telling us is that even in the most painful places of your heart that stings to even think about, God is compassionate. A lot of people, when they experience pain and suffering in life, they get stuck on why. Like, God, why did this happen to me? Why did you permit this? Where were you? What were you doing? I imagine many of us had those questions, and many of us online have struggled with that too. Now, what David echoes here is something that I see in Jesus. Because you always, the whole point of the Bible is Jesus. And there was one time when Jesus' best friend, Lazarus, died. And when Jesus came, he was a couple days late. They'd hoped he would make it in time to heal Lazarus, but he was late. And Lazarus' sisters came to Jesus, and they told him, Lord, if you had only been here when we asked you to come, Lazarus would be okay. This is before Jesus raised him from the dead and did all sorts of miracles. And they were saying to him the same thing, like, Jesus, where were you? Just like many of us here in this room maybe have asked Jesus before and declared to him in hurt and in anger, where were you? And then what Jesus did, he didn't give an explanation. We'll see in my sovereignty, I was waiting on these days, but I know my plan, but I did, da, 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 da. He didn't do philosophy with them. And the Bible never answers that question. You know what Jesus did? It's the shortest verse in the Bible. It's two words. Jesus wept. 
And when they looked at him, said, Lord, where were you? Our brother is dead. He wrapped his arms around them and wept with them. And what I want to tell some of you today is that, of course, I don't believe the Bible testifies that God's the author of pain and suffering and death and abuse and injustice. Scripture's clear. Those are God's enemies, not his friends. Amen? But that doesn't help. What helps is when we learn to lift our eyes off of the why questions and when we look up to see Jesus. And when you look up to see Jesus in your suffering, what you'll see is eyes full of compassion for you and who will join you in your suffering and who will weep with you and hold you and comfort you and who is able to redeem even the ugliest parts of our life of the things that have happened to us. And when you do that, you remember who you love. And you could pray one of the most powerful prayers you could possibly pray. God, I still love you. God, I still believe you are good. It doesn't make the pain go away. It doesn't make what happened go away. But when we learn to tell him, I still trust you. I still believe you are good. I still love you. You know what happens? Heaven is speechless in awe, and all of hell starts screaming because the enemy's weapon to destroy you has been taken out of his hands, and what he meant to come and destroy you, God would not allow, and you are still connected to the source of life who brings healing into you. If you remember who you love, even in your suffering, because he's compassionate. Look into the eyes of Jesus, even in your pain, and he'll meet you there. So we've talked about, every week in the series, what's one thing everybody can do? What's one thing? And here's your one thing. We're all in different spots, different, different places. I'm not going to tell you to drive with your windows down again. Ladies, you're welcome. But I will tell you one thing. Years ago, I was journaling late at night, just praying, and I felt like the Holy Spirit started to whisper to my heart, kind of like an impression. I'm not hearing voices. I'm not totally crazy, partially, but not totally. And I felt like he whispered to me something that I've never forgotten. I felt like he told me, you want to know the most important prayer to pray? You want the thing I want to hear most from you in the whole world? Try praying this this week, many times a day, all throughout the week. It's this prayer, most important. I love you too, God. That's the most important prayer you could ever learn. Try that this week and let it bring union between you and the one you love. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Hey, if you're ready to take your next step in your own spiritual journey, whatever that may be, maybe you want to become a follower of Jesus, maybe come home to him. Maybe you need a little bit of help and resources to navigate some of the, t- the stuff we're talking about today. All you have to do is text the number NEXT to the number on the screen or go to communityofhope.church slash NEXT. Fill out that form. We'll help you take your next spiritual step in becoming a follower of Jesus. Now for all of us here and online, now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, go in God's peace. We'll see you next weekend. Go get your life back.